Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good. Back to reality, which uh, is a little it's a little sad, depressing, I guess, after a fun uh, weekend of hanging out and doing stuff in person. But, you know, life goes on, I guess. Life goes on. Uh, it was definitely a very successful week. I, I, uh, I enjoyed talking a little Ed Guy with you and uh, enjoyed talking a little Ed Guy with Jens Ludwig, which was uh, definitely one of the highlights of the week for me as well. So um, good time had by all. But uh, now I guess uh, it's back to reality, like we said. And this week it's Dragon Force's Valley of the Damned, which was my request. And um, a very polarizing band. But before we jump into Dragon Force... I just want to mention a couple of things that I had listened to. I'm not sure if you've heard of any of these, but I'm, I'm you stop me if you have. Um, Anima Tempo, the uh, Mexican progressive metal band um, that I had mentioned probably a couple of months ago, just released their new single. It was called um, The Infinite Eye. The video came out. Oh, I guess it was a couple of days ago. We're recording this a, a little bit early to get it uh, to get it in the can, but it came out a couple of days ago. What a phenomenal song. I, I cannot wait for the rest of this album. I know it's um, a bit harsh maybe for, for your ears, but it's, it's, it, it, to me, it's like a mix of Caligula's Horse and Mirath with a touch of that aggression from an orphan land. I just loved it. Did you, did you have a chance to check that one out yet? Or uh, if not, I'm sure it's in the queue. Uh, I'm familiar with them, but I was not aware they had anything new. So I'll have to give that a listen for sure. Yeah, it was it was definitely enjoyable. I, I I recommend that one for sure. Uh another new album that came out was uh Memoriam. They're, now they're 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 not usually in my wheelhouse, and I say that because they are a death metal band from the UK and it's kind of like a a best of or a, a an all-star cast, if you will, with members of Benediction and Bolt Thrower and Sacrilege. They came out with a new album uh just a couple of days ago. It was called To the End. Not my favorite style, generally speaking, but I really enjoyed this effort. I thought they did a good job on that. And then I also dipped into the archives myself, and I listened to Trinity Overture by that band Majestic. That was Richard Anderson's project, the keyboard player. I think you're familiar with them. Um, they released a number of albums under the Majestic moniker, and then uh, a couple of years later under the Time Requiem monitor uh, moniker. Fantastic stuff, and it was just good to kind of go back into the archives and listen to something that I hadn't listened to in some time. Yes, I um, I was a big fan of, uh, I think Majestic, they only had two albums, if I recall, and there was this one song called I'll Shoot the Moon, which was like one of my all-time favorite songs to this day. Yeah. It's such a good song. And also, um, another song worth mentioning was Grand Opus, which was from the, the Time, was it Time Requiem or... Dynamic yeah, that was, album. Yeah, yeah. Such such a good band. Underrated. I'm not really sure whatever happened to them. Um, but every time they come on, I just say to myself, "Wow, what what a talented band in the in the early, late '90s and early 2000s. Really good stuff." Um, but without further ado, let's get to Valley of the Damned by Dragon Force. You know, <laughs> it's funny because I know that Power Quest is is one of uh, one of your, if not your absolute favorite band of all time, and I bring them up because the ties to Dragon Force are exceptionally strong. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you first heard the band and obviously the connections to Power Quest? Sure. Um, somebody that I know, I want to say it was, um, I want to say it was Chris Scarrod who I was. Uh, I was running a Halloween website with, I believe he was the one who told me about uh, Dragon Heart, which was what Dragon Force was called uh, before their first album. 
Um, and they had released a, a demo of five songs that would eventually make their way onto the Valley of the Damned album. Uh, and I want to say that the the song, maybe the song I heard wasn't from the demo. He had heard the demo, and I remember him saying he liked the songs from the demo more than what ended up on Valley of the Damned, and it might have just been a, a, a situation where it was just what he heard first, so that's kind of what stuck with him. But um, I, the first song I, I definitely remember hearing was Black Winter Night, which is the fourth track on this album. And I just remember at the time, um, I was a junior in college, so this is like... It's got to be like early to mid 2003, I would say. So the album is, is fairly new. And I just remember hearing the song. And as, as a power metal fan, I was like, I had never heard anything like this before. And, and nowadays I'm sure you can find a whole bunch of, of dragon force clones, if you will. Um, but I mean, at the time, this was, this was, they were like the first band to really do this, this epic, like speed metal, power metal, like six to seven minute tracks. Like it, it was, it was really unheard of at the time. And, you know, getting back to the, to the dragon heart demo, um, you know, Steve Williams and uh, who would go on to start power quest and be their longstanding keyboard player and, and main songwriter. He was originally the keyboard player for dragon heart on the, on the demo along with um, Steve Scott, who would play the bass, and he would also end up in Power Quest as well after um, before this album would come out. Um, so I don't know exactly what happened. Uh, I'm guessing that, as it always tends to be, it's like uh, musical differences. Um, and, and if you listen to Power Quest and you listen to Dragon Force, I mean, you can tell that they, there's definitely a different direction that Steve wanted to go. So, I mean, it might have something to do with that, but... Um, at the time, um, this was just like, I, I mean, I, I couldn't even, I remember just like telling my friends like, oh my God, you got to hear this. It's like ridiculous how fast the solos are. And, and it had like the, the high pitched power metal vocals. And it was just such a, a breath of fresh air. Um, because I feel like maybe there were other bands doing this, but nobody was doing it this well. I'll say that. Yeah, it, it was it was the combination of the speed, the um, the the obviously the technical chops, the melodies that kind of really are all throughout this entire album, and the and the keyboards, which was like a really just an added element that bands like Blind Guardian really weren't using. Uh, Halloween certainly used it, sprinkled it in, but but not to this level where there were actual keyboard solos on every song. Um, it was definitely different. And I remember going on mp3.com and downloading the Dragonheart demo uh, because when I would look at like the metal rankings for just like downloads on this site, they were always number one. And I said to myself, who is this band? Because every time I see them, those five tracks were like the five most downloaded tracks on the website. So I download them. And, and with the name, I, I, I had a sense that they were obviously some sort of power metal um, but I, I go back to that original demo and I say to myself, this is gold because it was the first band to be doing anything like this um, with, with that kind of speed and that kind of precision. Yep. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, you know, as a fan of, you know, probably at the time, 
um, you know, Master Plan had, had just come out with their de- their debut album, and, and Halloween was releasing um, Rabbit Don't Come Easy. So, like, you know, that's the kind of power metal that we were kind of used to around that time. And uh, this this was just like, you know, a lot of people might say. Actually, it's funny because I'm looking at at Wikipedia, and one of the the reviews called like said it was like a a spinal tap style tribute to early 80s fantasy metal and it's kind of an interesting way of of putting it because it is so over the top that you might think that are they are they joking or is, are they for real and, and <laughs> it's it, it's 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 you know it's it's kind of a joke in, in that sense but i don't mean that in a bad way it's just that you know it, it's it's fantasy metal right it's it's dragons and get your sword and 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 go out on the battlefield um but it's just done so fast uh that it was just kind of like taking everything that had come before it and and just amping it up and kind of just cranking up the speed um but somehow it worked and and i and i remember hearing that demo and just just to you know kind of paint the picture that the, the the five songs on that demo were valley of the damned revelations starfire Black Winter Night, and it closed with Disciples of Babylon. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just say this. Giving nothing away about the, the the ultimate Dragon Force release, Valley of the Damned, those are still probably my five favorite tracks on the new, uh, on the ultimate, uh, the ultimate release in 2003. It came out February 25th, 2003. And and to your point from, from earlier, it has essentially... An instrumental track which opens it, Invocation of the Apocalyptic Evil, and you can draw your own conclusions, although it's only 15 seconds. And then basically tracks two through nine are the demo and and assorted tracks that are kind of thrown in there um, that kind of supplement the demo. And everything was re-recorded and redone, but those are the standout tracks to me. And we'll, we'll go in a little bit deeper obviously going one by one but it's 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 just funny that those original songs resonated with me even on the actual release of the album yeah i don't remember really differential i i definitely listened to the 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 album proper um a lot more than the demo i probably got even got the demo after the fact um I, i mean as far about as far as i can remember i'm almost positive i heard the studio version of black winter night before anything else um but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's. I, I actually like some of the songs, and like you said, we'll get into it. But I do like some of the songs that were actually um, not originally on the demo. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's um, they would they would bring on um, they would bring on uh, Vadim Prusinov uh, to play keyboards in place of Steve Williams, and I, he would be a, a pretty long-standing member of the band for at least their their earlier years um along with uh zp uh you know i never could figure out how to how to pronounce his last name if it's the third the art the art zp i just call, I just <laughs> easy, call him, easy for you to say yeah i just call him zp um he, he i don't i don't recall him being from anywhere before i think dragon force was kind of how he uh how he made his his debut or or at least you know people had heard of him initially and and then um and then to this day we have the uh the guitar duo of uh herman lee and sam totman and sam himself um did some work with power quest as well when they first got started helping them out with some guitar parts um 
So they pretty much made up the, uh, the meat and potatoes of the band. Uh, another guy, uh, Daikon Harper, uh, came in to play bass. I don't know that a lot, some of these, uh, guys like the, the drummers and the bass players, I don't, I'm not sure if they hung around for long because Dragon Force would kind of go on to, to change members pretty, pretty regularly with the exception of Herman and Sam, they were, they've always been kind of the, the ones holding down the fort. Um, and, and even going back to this first album, they do the, you know, the bulk of the, if not all of the, the songwriting. Um, so these are all people just kind of like really being heard of, you know, for the first time by, by most, um, you know, most music fans. So, um, I, I I don't know where you want to uh, if you want to just start um, with uh, the first you know track by track or or uh, I don't know how you want to talk about this one. Yeah, I mean let's let, let's 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 kind of get into it I guess track by track, um, and then I'll get your overall impressions because there was one thing that really jumped out at me that I did not know, but I'll get to that at the end. You know, the first I guess we'll call it real track or the first the 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 the, the first main track here is is valley of the damned and, and obviously it's uh i don't, I don't want to say that it's clearly one of the the better songs on the album i but i will say that it definitely sets the tone for the entire album so that if you had any doubt as to what this was that album that that track really just sets the stage not only for this album but really for the rest of their career kind of cheesy definitely speedy and it's just that power metal where the keys and the guitars shine yeah, I love the it, just how the song starts. I mean, take the fifteen second instrumental aside, but just the way that um, the the guitars just kind of start out, and it's it's a little bit subdued just to start, and then um, then it just starts to get going, and uh, you know you start to hear ZP come in with these vocals, and and you know like here we go, this is going to be very much um, you know very much like a, a almost a tribute like I said before to like the, the late eighties power metal scene. Um, it's funny because I remember when we talked about Ed guy and I said that, um, you know, he was like considered a cross between Bruce Dickinson and Michael Kisk. And I'm reading this other thing here that, that says that doesn't, is not comparing ZP to them, but says that, um, quote, he has no qualms about emulating heroes like Bruce Dickinson and Michael Kisk. So, um, interesting that that kind of um is like a a a callback to talking about ed guy um i always found that zp um was more of a studio vocalist than that like his live vocals maybe it's just like because of how fast and how high it is it just was hard to replicate in a live setting but um i mean on this album he sounds phenomenal and uh you know this song it just and the thing that really i think stands out is that this is a seven minute song this is a seven minute plus song which is like for a power metal song for something that's not really like it's not really like an epic song like like theater of salvation was like we talked about last week or like a keeper of the seven keys or a halloween but i mean it's a long song but it but it moves it's not it doesn't drag. It's um, when and, you're playing 400 miles an hour, it's hard for it to drag. Yeah, but, but I do that, agree with you. You it think that it would get? Like re- it, you think that it would get repetitive? You know, on a seven-minute song. But if you look at some of the earlier Dragon Force 
albums, the, the, the length of some of the songs, especially on this album and, and Sonic Firestorm that would follow. I mean, you're talking about typically, typically having six to seven minute songs like on the regular. But they feel like they're three and a half or four minutes, which I guess is a testament to the songwriting. Uh, to the point you made earlier about ZP's vocals, obviously they, they, they shine on the album and, and you can tell he's a, a phenomenal vocalist on these discs. I never saw him live, but I did hear that that was the knock, that he was just not a great live singer. But I say that because he would go on to actually front Skid Row and some other bands as well. So obviously they must have seen something in him. I, I think he's toured with Skid Row, if I'm not mistaken. He's played with some other bands. Um, it might just be that this particular music was exceptionally difficult to sing live. And for obvious reasons, I mean, some of these songs he's singing in such a high register and then by the end of the song, he's singing in a higher register. So it's not, it can't be the easiest stuff to sing. No, definitely not. I, it's, I mean, there's a lot of people that, I mean, most people wouldn't be able to sing some of this stuff live. So, but I mean, I'm just, I never saw him live either. So I'm just going off of what a lot, I've heard a lot of people say that had, um, and based on stuff, you know, videos I've seen online and, and he would go on to, uh, to leave the band, I think after their, their third album, which I think was the one where they really reached their most, the, the biggest success with appearing on guitar hero and whatnot. Um, and he would be replaced by, by Mark Hudson, who I have seen live and, and he's a very good, um, live singer. And I think that he kind of keeps that, that flame alive, I guess, of that style of vocals, because, um, I don't know that a lot of people that don't really delve too deep into things would say that, the vocals drastically changed after ZP left the band. I mean, I think it was, it was clearly another person, but the, you know, stylistically it was, it wasn't like going from Michael Kisk to, to Andy Darris. Um, so they stuck with that style and, 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 and going back and listening to this again, like I just kind of forgot how much, how good all of this is, how it all comes together. And, and, and this, you know, this first track Valley of the Damned really just sets the table for, for what's to come. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that even the, you know, the, like the next song, Black Fire, I don't think it's the best song on the album. It's, it's certainly not my, not my favorite, but it's a good song, right? It's a good song. Uh, you know, obviously another song about dragons. Uh, it reminds me of something I just, even to this day, even having listened to it a bunch this week, I can't put my finger on it. Obviously power metal of some sort, but it's just, you know, it's, 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 it's another track and it really just, in my opinion, sets the stage for the, the, much like the Oreo cookie, the middle of this disc is where the, where the disc shines, where it's just one phenomenal track after, after the other. And by the time we get to Black Winter Night, now I'm rocking and rolling because I, I love that song. Well, I'll tell you what Black Fire makes me think of. It makes me think of Double Dragon because in the guitar solo, towards the end of the song they just go right into it's not like you know dragon double dragon esque like it literally is them playing the theme from double dragon yeah, in, the, right. in right. the middle in the middle of a guitar solo and as a video game fan that tickled me to no end when i first heard that and and so you know right then and there i'm like all right this is going to be a band that that i'm going to pay pay some attention to um i love that i that just that's such a cool little nod uh, but it was subtly done, which I thought was nice about it too. It's not like it, they hit you over the head with it. It's just they get into it and then they get out, which is kind of nice. Yeah, I, I I I love that. And and you know, like you said, it, the, if if the theme is about dragons, why not 
sing about or sing. Why not play a song right out from uh, Double Dragon? So one that's really cool. When I and it, and, for sure. Yeah, and if you didn't, if you never noticed it, which is possible that you didn't, I, I definitely recommend going back and and listening because um, I know I've seen uh, videos also of them playing the song live, and they definitely uh, play that part live. So um, I always thought that was really cool. Yeah, no, no, no disagreement here. Not my favorite song, but that is one of the uh, one of the one of the more interesting parts from it. Um, and, and like we said, then I get we get into Black Winter Night. To me, this was awesome because it was something just a little bit different. You have these ridiculous solos that start the song, as opposed to kind of that section two thirds of the way through the song, which is like the patented Dra- Dragon Force solo section. Um, and throughout the song, you have like these ambient keys that kind of just highlight the guitars. I mean, by this point, I, I want my helmet, I want my sword, and I'm ready to go to battle, right? Because th- th- it just, it's got everything. It even has that sing-along section towards the end, which reminds me of like a song like Power by Halloween or something like that. I love it. And and I love how, and I mentioned this earlier, how ZP's vocals just get higher throughout the song. I'm not sure how he does it, but it's a really memorable tune for me. Yeah, same here. And like I said before, it was the first first Dragon Force song I ever heard, so it it holds a very special place in my heart. Um I uh Oh, what was I going to say? Um yeah, so I think that this is one of one of the couple of tracks that still will make its way onto their live set nowadays. I think this and Valley of the Damned are both the uh, two tracks that you'll still catch them playing live. I mean, they do have, I think, you know, six or seven albums at this point but um they make sure not to completely ignore their their debut album um which you know some bands tend to do sometimes so um i think when they did release their uh their blu-ray a couple years ago i i i'm this is off the top of my head but i'm fairly certain they played black winter night on that blu-ray um you can correct me if i'm wrong but i would but i've actually never seen it i have to go back and check that out and if they did play that i definitely want to hear it live because i definitely i've never heard it live and i'm sure it's phenomenal yeah i'm just looking right now just to yeah it is on there uh it's the third track um the it's called in the line of fire larger than live and um it's it's a fun kind of romp through dragon forces like entire discography uh with the, most of their current members mark hudson on vocals but um and you know if you can get the blu-ray and and watch it in that you know high def uh visuals i, w- I would definitely recommend it but um yeah definitely a fun watch nice um <laughs> but by the time you're done with black winter night the one thing you probably need is a power ballad and that's what you get with starfire perfectly placed on the album in the sense that when you need something to just kind of bring it back a little bit, it's the one time where they do it on the album. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful guitar solo towards the end of the song and just like a well-placed tune that sticks in your head. I actually, before we got on the, before we started recording, I found myself whistling. And then when I realized what I was whistling, it was Starfire just because it's that catchy. Yeah. It's a great little ballad. Um, I'm glad that they didn't decide to just do like eight tracks of just like this, like red hot fire speed power metal. It definitely needed like a little bit of a pump the brakes and, and, and they did it well. I mean, you know, it could have been, it could have been like, you know, a lot of bands try to do power ballads and, and they're like just really cheesy and, and, and not, you know, just not very good. And this is 
one of the better songs on the album, I think. And, you know, that's saying something because it's not typical of the rest of the tracks. I couldn't agree with you more. And then we need to pick it back up. You get into my track of the week, Disciples of Babylon. This is the first track that really has a little bit of punch to it. And, and by that, I mean, it's really more of a nod to Blind Guardian and some of that earlier thrashier Blind Guardian than it does, um, you know, the happier power metal that we're, you know, kind of used to from Dragon Force. is the first song that also has this like beautiful acoustic guitar section in the middle of the song and almost like a salsa bit which makes you kind of just want to dance along to it and then you get the solos which is kind of like very dream theaterish in nature just in terms of the way they're constructed i i like this track so much because it's just so different than the other seven balls to the wall speedy blitzing tracks that are kind of in the same vein. And that's why it's my it's my track of the week. I love that song. And I also like the fact that they end their little five-song uh, demo with the same track. Uh, I'm wondering if it has something to do with uh, the fact that Herman Lee was the, the main songwriter of that and, and Evening Star, and the rest of the tracks were written by uh, Sam Totman. I mean, again, it's kind of like what... Um, Jens was saying is that it's kind of like the person who kind of constructs the meat of the song kind of gets the credit. So I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, each guy wrote the entire song on their own. Sure. That's, that's probably not the case, but um, I, I do know that there definitely is, you definitely can hear a difference in, in disciples of Babylon and evening star compared to, to the other songs on the album. So to that end, I'd say maybe that that's more of Herman's, influence but um i love when it does slow down and you you hear that piano solo and there's a and like you said it's like a salsa it, it's there's a lot going on and it's a really fun song and definitely uh kudos good choice for your song of the week yeah it's a little cheesy i admit and and i'm not even sure that it's necessary and that's why i, I called it a little dream theaterish because it's almost like they just go on the tangent like jordan rudis often just goes off on a tangent it, it's that but for some reason, it fits, and because they don't do it all the way throughout the album, I thought it was well done. Um, and then we get to Revelations, which is another song from the demo. Um, you know, it, it blends in so well with the rest of the album, and, and, and you know, I don't know that it's much different from some of the earlier songs, but it's just another well-constructed power metal song. Yeah, this was this was always the one song that kind of, I guess, fell through the cracks for me. I, I don't know, it, maybe just because it, it's a victim of positioning where it's kind of in between this, 
you know, epic disciples of Babylon. And then this really like, I love evening star starts out like as if it was going to be a ballad and then it just turns out to just not be. Um, but, um, yeah, like I, you know, it's, I'm even having a hard time kind of like hearing it in my head right now, the way I could hear the other, you know, the other eight songs or the other uh, seven main songs. Um, so I, I just, I know I didn't stand out in a bad way, but I, I don't know that it's, it just blends in, you know, yeah. like, and that's, that's kind of the way I looked at it. Not, not, I, I liked it and I remember it just from the early days, but it's really just, a, uh, it blends, right? It just, it fits the rest of the motif, if you will. Yeah, I agree. And then you get to Evening Star and, and it's funny because, you know, this would be another spot where you think that a ballad would go and it starts that way for sure. But then they just kind of decide to veer off the highway and get right back onto to, to what their bread and butter is. This was the song that was stuck in my head today. Um, nice. I just, even when I was getting ready to, to start the, uh, the podcast with you, I just, um, I, I just feel like that chorus is so catchy. Um, so yeah, this was, I kind of forgot how much I really liked this song when, um, I was re-listening to it. So that was kind of a pleasant surprise, but, um, Again, yeah, it starts out with like a, a piano, like this in piano intro, and and it really does sound like they're going to do another power ballad, but it, it definitely isn't. And then you get to Heart of the Dragon, which is you know kind of how the the album wraps up. It's fifty one minutes in length for the album, but they close with a five minute, five and a half minute, uh, you know, another another uh, another ode to the dragon, another uh, another you know classic speedy power metal track for sure. This is my song of the week. I. I this was this song stood out to me uh, years ago when I first heard the album as such a fantastic way to just you know as you would say put a bow on this album Lyrically, it's got to be the cheesiest song on the album, but like it's, I love this song. It's so, you talk about grabbing your helmet and your sword and going off to war. Like this song just gets me so amped up. If, if I, I like to say, if I was a, a working out man, uh, this would definitely be a song that would be on my, uh, my gym mix. But, um, I'm with you. It's but, such a, you know, it's, it's, it's just such a, it's just such a catchy, like just, po- it's got a, just a positive vibe to it. Um, it reminds me of Freedom Call. And I don't not, not not the way that the song is structured, and certainly not the speed, but just the overall the the, the I guess you call it the positivity or what have you. But there's something about it that just screams early freedom call. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Just because it just feel it's just a feel good song. I mean, I, I guess if if that's what you mean by that, I, it just I, I I hear that song and it makes me smile and and it makes me feel good and um and I, I think I, I years ago I made a um. 
I made a mix CD of like all, I think I called it like an adrenaline mix. And I, I just would listen to it while I was driving. It was like, just not cause I wanted to be like a road rager, but like, because it just, it, it was like just awesome driving music. And that, that, and that was the song I chose by dragon force to put on that. But, um, even going back and re-listening to everything, I love all these songs. The whole album's awesome, but this one to me will always kind of stick out a little bit more than the rest. Do you, where do you put this in terms of just the overall um, discography? Is it is it your favorite because it was your first, or is it or where does it compare to some of the newer albums? And obviously, you know, you mentioned this earlier. We'd be remiss not to mention it. The band has seven or eight albums at this point, but I think that they're obviously most known for Through the Fire and Flames. That was on their third album, Inhuman Rampage. It came out um, in 2005, but everybody knows it as like the crazy Guitar Hero song or all the video game uh, people out there listen to that and they know, oh yeah, Through the Fire and Flames. And I think it also appeared on uh, one of the NHL hockey games, if I'm not mistaken, um, through EA Sports. It's just so... You know, that's an iconic song for its own reasons, but I'm wondering where Valley of the Damned compares to kind of the rest of their albums for you. I mean, it's my favorite of all time. And, and uh, you know, on in all honesty, to me, Dragon Force kind of, for the first, like, four albums, it, it, it just got to the point where it was just kind of like, to me, it was very repetitive and, and to me, like this is kind of where it was still felt original and new. And, and there's a lot, a lot of really good songs on those first few albums. But by the time they get to the fourth album, Ultra Beatdown, it's almost like it's almost like they've been beat down by like writing the same type of music over and over and over again. I mean, Through the Fire and Flames is is an amazing song, and um, it totally revolutionized, I think, um, metal to 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 uh, an audience that hadn't thought about metal in a long time and and especially a younger audience um you know kids that were playing this game oddly enough i was playing guitar hero when it came came out and i was already um familiar with the song uh so it was such a fun thing to see it in the game in fact i recall it being somebody must have programmed programmed it in like a a guitar hero-esque video on youtube and i remember that like I think that went viral. And so I guess the people that made Guitar Hero were like, well, it only makes sense that we have to put this on. It was it was kind of like a hidden track after you finish the game, you would play through the fire and flames through the credits, and then that would unlock the 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 song. And it was a hard, hard oh. song to play. I, I I definitely hear you. I think that um no discussion of the band would be complete without mentioning that. But I agree with you. This this first album really just kind of set the stage and 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 set the bar really really high for them. You know, I I I happen to also like Maximum Overload a lot. It was their sixth album. It came out in 2014. Um, I for some reason I just really thought the tunes on that were very very catchy and a little bit different from from songs like you know that they've been doing earlier on. Uh, I won't say it's as good. I'll just say it was something I, you know, just I, it was an album that I particularly enjoyed. Uh, I also didn't spend as much time with um, their two newest releases, Reaching Into Infinity, which came out in 2017, and Extreme Power Metal, which came out in 2019. I should go back and listen to those and give them some uh, a fair listen because I don't know them nearly as well. I think that um, 
I think that after uh, ZP left the band after Ultra Beatdown and, um, you know, they, I think that adding some new blood um, into the, I know um, uh, Frederick Leclerc came in uh, as, um, he did, had a number of things that he would do, um, but he played bass and did some guitar solos and back backing vocals and death vocals. And I think adding him and adding, um, Mark's vocals. I feel like it kind of gave Dragon Force a a, a new, a, a, like a breath of fresh air. And I feel like they've since then. I feel like their albums have been a lot more, at least for me. Like I, I've enjoyed them quite a bit more. I agree with you about. I think reaching into infinity, or I'm sorry, what was the one you mentioned? Um, Maximum Overload. Um, that and reaching into infinity and and even extreme power metal, they're, they're starting to get a little bit more um, experimental and, and, and just having more fun, I think. And you can tell from doing a cover of my heart will go on by Celine Dion, but yeah. like um, it's cool. Uh, I think a Frederick Leclerc, I believe has since left the band. Um, but I mean, they're always, uh, they're, they're a hell, they're a hell of a lot of fun to see live. Um I think that they've definitely kind of hit their stride after maybe a little bit of a, of a, just a kind of a repetitive streak in the early years. But um, to this day, I still kind of hearken back to this, this first album as, as my favorite. And, and I think it, it is, you know, partially uh, the, you know, you never forget your first cliche, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and what I didn't realize, and I kind of alluded to this earlier I didn't realize that it was kind of recorded and ultimately produced by Carl Groom from Threshold. I found that to be fascinating because not only is he a phenomenal songwriter and not only is Threshold easily one of my favorite bands and I cannot wait to do a Threshold album with you or an entire discography for that matter. But it's just, you know, his music that he records with Threshold is so different than his work as a producer on this particular type of music, it surprised me because I just had no idea he was associated with the early, with the early Dragon Force stuff. Yeah, that was also news to me. And I think it, it, I also would like to mention that um, I didn't know about this for a long time, but there was a, um, a ja- <coughs> excuse me, a Japanese bonus track called Where Dragons Rule, which was actually uh, co-written by uh, Steve Williams of Power Quest. So I guess... Um, he had a little bit of uh, a little bit of influence on a track that would end up as, as a bonus track um, from his early days, and it's a good little tune. It's it's a little bit more mellow than um, most of the the rest of the songs in the album, and that might be why it um, ended up as a bonus track. But you can definitely hear uh, the 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 beginnings of you know Steve thinking about going his own way and and writing his own songs and starting his own band and. Based on who wrote all the songs on the on the demo and and on this album, I mean, maybe that's why Steve wanted to kind of go off on his own and, and be able to write his own songs. Um, so. Yeah, it's 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 a good tune. Um, doesn't really fit with the rest of the album, and it is kind of ironic because you literally have two songs in a row when, when, when you listen to that. When you have "Heart of a Dragon" and then "Where Dragons Rule," I mean, they're they're. Heavy on the dragon influence for, for sure, but it, it it is a little bit different than the rest of the album. But I, I I've I've heard that track a number of times, and it's um it's a very enjoyable song, and it definitely has the Steve Williams touch to it. You know, I'm just looking now, and I didn't even realize it's kind of funny to think, but 
Power Quest's debut album, Wings of Forever, actually came out before the first Dragon Force album. So Steve got right to work. Yeah, did not waste any time. I mean, the demo that, that we had discussed earlier um, came out, I think, in around 2000 or 2000, 2001-ish, something like that. I think 2000. This album doesn't see the light of day for almost two and a half to three years later. And, and maybe that's it because during those early days, if, if Steve left the band, he got right to work on, the, on those early PowerQuest uh, demos and albums. So it's they're really coming out with material at the same time. And it's in the same vein, but you can definitely hear the distinctions between the two. Yeah. I mean, PowerQuest would be a little bit less focused on um, speed and, and, and I think like – virtuosic solos i don't is that even a word it is um, now but uh, but um it's a little more grounded i guess would be a good word but um um you there's definitely to somebody to the untrained ear they would probably say that the two bands are basically the same but you know if you're a power metal fanatic like me you you can hear that they're in fact very different um but I guess kind of like the, the, the band members kind of crossing over, um, would be part of the reason for that. You know, Sam helped Steve out, uh, with some of the earlier Power Quest stuff and ZP does, um, some of the, does the vocals on Power Quest, um, demo tracks. So, you know, I, I imagine that those, those, you know, friendships still remained. And I even had the, um, opportunity to meet sam totman after a dragon force show and we actually spent most of the time talking about power quest and he had nothing but good things to say uh, about steve and the rest of the guys so um that was so fun and he la- he was laughing because like he said nobody ever <laughs> wants to talk to me about power quest and so um that but that's what i do i seek out ex-members of power quest to talk to them about power quest <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I'm sure they're more than happy to oblige. Um, scale of one to ten, what are you giving this album? Um, I I give it an eight point five. It's uh, I don't know if I put it in that that upper echelon of nine and above, but I mean it's just shy of that. It's 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 like I said, it's my favorite Dragon Force album until I say otherwise. But it it, it might go down as being my favorite of all time when it's all said and done. It's just it just takes me back to a certain time in my life where, you know, I didn't bring this up earlier, but you know, I was saying that it came out when I was a junior in college, but I wasn't really listening to, to much metal, especially getting into new bands. So for this to just kind of break through that glass ceiling that I had put up when I was that age, it definitely spoke volumes to, to what I thought about, about hearing something different um, in the metal world. So it definitely has uh, I have a lot of fond memories and, and I continue to be a fan of the band to this day. But I mean, this album to me is really just one hell of a debut. So, yeah, 8.5 for me. I agree with you. It's an 8.5 for me as well. I think it would have been well served to have just one more ballad on there to kind of change the pace, because I think um, Starfire does such a good job in the middle. And I felt like it just needed one more kind of towards the end, if not the last track, um, and, and not to knock an album for just not having another ballad, but because the pace of the other songs are so similar, I, I thought it just needed to come down a little bit. But, you know, like I said, you have five or six tunes here, which are just phenomenal and, and in many ways groundbreaking, trend-setting songs, uh, and that's why the band has so many bands, you know, to this day that are just kind of copy what they do 
uh, because they have a formula that works and it works for them. But I'm happy to see them expanding their horizons and I'm happy to see them start doing a little bit more and a little bit different things with, with, with their songwriting because I think it was um, – it was needed, but this this to me is great stuff, and I'm happy that I got to go back and visit it because I haven't listened to them in a really long time, and maybe it's because I played the shit out of that demo when I first got it, but I just, for some reason, I, I, I guess as I've kind of moved away from power metal, they got lost in the shuffle, and I was I was excited to go back and hear it, and that's why I, I, that's why I picked the album this week. Yeah, it makes me want to listen to more of their earlier stuff because it really has been a long time, and I don't even know the last time I actually sat down and listened to that demo. Um, so that'd be kind of interesting to go back to that for sure. So, uh, yeah, this was, this was enjoyable, great choice. And, um, you know, again, it's just another reason why, why this is so fun for us to kind of go back and revisit stuff that we might not have otherwise. Uh, agree completely. We next week, obviously we, we have a request, which we're going to get into in a moment, before before we do, I just want to uh, remind everybody, keep the requests coming. Obviously, July is right around the corner, and if the requests keep coming in, we'll, we'll hit more than just the one a month. So please send them in. Give us a positive review or leave us a five-star review on iTunes or what have you. It helps other people find it, and obviously the likes on, on YouTube don't hurt either. So please keep them coming. And then we get to next week, which uh, you want to take this away? You want to explain what we're doing next week? Um. Yes, we have a uh, a close friend. Uh, speaking of me being in college, this is somebody who I met when I was in college. Uh, his name is Uncle Knops, um, not to be confused with Uncle Leo. And um, <laughs> although he, there is a lot of similarity there, yeah. So uh, he uh, he gave us a, a handful of selections, and um, we decided that uh, our first Uncle Knops uh, request we're going to go with uh, one of his if not his favorite band, Haken, and their album, The Mountain, which is uh, his all-time favorite Haken album. Um, So I thought he might enjoy uh, hearing us talk about it. And I haven't listened to it in a while, so it'll be good to kind of give that a a whirl again. Yeah, we're going back, I guess, um, all the way back to 2013 on this one. Uh, Haken is a band that I've been following since the beginning. I remember when their first album came out and kind of seeing one of their one of, if not their first live show, um, down in Atlanta, Georgia. So it's it'll be a nice it'll be a nice visit back for me. This album got incredible um, reviews when it came out, and it was just widely regarded as a like a seminal prog metal album. I'll be honest. I never saw it. I never heard it. I thought it, I mean, I've heard the album. I never thought it was as good as many people said. So I look going, I look forward to going back and kind of revisiting it because it never grabbed me the way that it grabbed almost everyone else that listened to it. So I look forward to that. Yeah. uh, My recollection is not strong. So, um, I, I do look forward to going back and listening to it again as well because it's just, um, it's been a while. I mean, it might have been since it came out. It was the last time I really get, sat down and listened. And even then, it might I might not have been listening that closely. So, um, I think this is going to be a very a very fresh listen and a very fresh review for me, for for sure. So, with that, we'll we'll catch you next week uh, when we climb Haken's the mountain. Take it easy, bud. Take care. <laughs>